life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. There's wildfires all around us here at Utah. It's pretty amazing. Today. Yeah. So nice and smoky it, it, outside. Everywhere you go, it smells like a campfire. Yeah. Which is, kind of, initially, you're kind of like, oh, that smells great. And then you realize that means like whole forests are on fire. And that's it's not true. It's true. There was, a, there was a break long enough from both my edit schedule and the smoke today that I got on the bike. I'm glad. And glad. I rode pretty hard. I had like a, I literally had a window of like an hour. It's like well, that ride. Was that this morning you got out? No, it was mid-afternoon. Oh, my gosh. Mid-afternoon because nice. this morning the smoke was ro- rolling in. Yeah, right. Mid-afternoon, right. I had, I'd gotten to a place in the edit. By the way, season three premieres. Uh, like You're listening it, to this Friday. Season three premieres tomorrow. It's tomorrow, everyone. Yes, so much delivery is happening. Saturday, July 7th, 2018. It's is, craziness. It's 7.30 Eastern, for those of you wondering. Mm-hmm. You've probably heard us say that before, but 7.30 Eastern. That means on the West Coast, it's going to be early, so just set your DVR. It's all about DVR anyway. It kind of sure. is. For yeah, sure. And, and also, keep in mind, listening to this Friday, you will probably have seen our season three trailer, which we're pretty excited about. Very, that's coming out on Friday as well to just tease you a little more for again Saturday it's happening so I had I had literally an hour between edit sessions and other things to do like family stuff to do it was like well I've got an hour and 10 minute ride I want to do that's how long it takes. I have an hour. <laughs> so I better go out there and ride pretty Just hard. So clear I did that. your head. But as a result, now I'm realizing it was still a little smokier than I thought. So I'm, a little, was it? I'm, yeah. I'm coughing a bit tonight. So we'll uh, have to deal with that. But I'm sorry. It's Really? Come on. You got on your mountain bike. I have a little bit of a cough because I was outside on my mountain bike. I'm going to be okay. I've been waiting for a new tire because I, I haven't trusted my tire. Yeah. It's gotten chewed up. And so I've been waiting for a new tire, which it did. And I went to the no tubes mm. thing. With oh, the sure, sure, sure. Sauce you pour in there and it the no seals tube everything. Sauce. Yeah. No tube sauce. The magic like a, jelly like or whatever a, you call know. it. I, I don't know. Which, which alcohol is no tube sauce? That's a, that's a tequila, I think. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, we are going to get to cars. I swear, right now it's the Everyday Rider podcast. But uh, we are going to get to cars. Yeah. I, I did have a car related epiphany. Maybe epiphany is too strong a word, but but realization while on the bike today. Okay, all right. I do actually wonder if mountain biking is, and I, maybe I'm overreaching to say this, but I wonder if mountain biking is the perfect exercise for car guys. Okay, in because what ways? When you're actually doing the trails like we do, things that matter in a car matter. Did I get the right gear at the right time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Breaking zones. Eyes. Eyes up the trail. All of these things are a huge deal on your mountain bike. But obviously when you're in the car, you're not really getting a workout. And when you're in the gym lifting weights, none of those things matter. (laughs) Your braking zone on your your pull-ups is not relevant. Okay, And I love to climb, but but the skills in climbing do not relate to to driving. But I did think on the mountain bike that it was like a lot of the stuff that my head thinks when I'm driving hard – actually helps and relates here. Yeah. I, Except I I'm exhausted it. and dripping sweat, which is the difference. Well, that. But then, you know, the, the famous saying, if you look at the rock, you're going to hit the you rock. hit the rock. Yeah. Don't look at the rock. Yeah, yeah. Just look. I get eyes up the trail, mm-hmm. and you'll be fine. You'll be a lot better, actually. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing about it. I think about the fact when I start getting tired, what happens? My eyes drop, uh-huh. and then I'm getting bumped around a lot more. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy how that works. So it does relate directly. I know that sounds weird, well, but I had fatigue, that realization all that today kind of stuff. while I was writing. I was like, a lot of that stuff relates right now, except for the fact that I'm much more tired. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to get back on. I haven't been in five days, but yeah, I needed a new tire. I, I wasn't confident. Anyway, so back to the season three. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, who is Covercraft mm-hmm. again this season. We are very thrilled to have them back. And you can, again, use the same code every day for free yeah, shipping in the U.S. Absolutely. So that is please happen. note that. And they are, they've been rock stars to us and, and really, really appreciative. So. For sure. And I'm still using my, uh, my Covercraft sunshade on both the, uh, the Porsche and the Mini. Yeah. And yeah, the use Mini mine gets covered often, which, which then has to get tethered down to my grass. But that's a separate thing because I live in crazy. I apparently live in a wind tunnel. I don't know when that happened. <laughs> so, uh, so that's happening. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Covercraft's been great in that regard. We're glad to have them back with us. And there will also be at some point – we're figuring out the win. We'll do another Covercraft giveaway at some point yeah. during Season 3. So look yeah. for that as well. Yep. That'll be, uh, again, uh, products of your choice. So we'll just talk to them and make it happen. That'll yeah, come your way. Be awesome. Uh, man, thank you for editing. Just a personal note from me to you. Just to thank you because yeah. I know you've got a lot of stuff ahead of you in the next two weeks for deliverables and yeah. color and mix and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm, it's going to be worthy, everyone. It's going to be great. Todd sends over little clips for Edgar and Chance and I to review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to... Yeah. Hey, here's, you know, just an iPhone screenshot of, you know, here's where I'm at right now. And mm-hmm. I, I love that you do that. So I try. Much appreciative. I try. And here's the thing. I am actually at the halfway point right now. 
So that's the good, good news. Good. But that means the next few weeks, while and I'll have that weird thing that happens every season. Where I'm, we're going to start getting comments about an episode that to me feels like months ago, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. But but right. you guys and I'm excited. You guys are going to going to see that electrics for everyone. That first that Model Three uh, Chevy Chevy Bolt piece, yeah. which is going to be really cool. Even though for me that does it feels like that was three months ago. But okay, <laughs> right. all right, we'll get there. And, and I'm excited to share it there. And then of course it will be on Amazon streaming and elsewhere. So that'll be fun too. Because see, my headspace is in season four and start to wrangle episodes for season four I know. and chase all of that. But then in solidarity, I'm back here in season three. <laughs> with you in the edit room and well, the mix and everything. But yet I'm still ahead of the audience. <laughs> right. And then it's actually fun because right. we've been making it for you guys. That's the thing. Yeah, so exactly. it's fun to actually stop and step back from where we are in planning ahead and stop and actually engage with you guys as you write us. Because every every time when a new episode drops, you guys write us and you tell us thoughts. And yeah. that happens again when it hits Amazon. So we've got this kind of staggered output. And so we have to be kind of prepared for staggered commentary. But thank you guys for doing so, for rating, for reviewing, for telling us what you think. I love that. Second half of this year is going to be incredible. There's so much we've yeah. got planned. Yeah, yeah. So TBD, you've heard us talk a little bit about that stuff. But once details are finalized, we will post stuff on the website and we'll tell you more about that. But we do have debates to get to. We've got Jess in Northern California, who is six foot six, with very long legs. Yes, he's a sports car enthusiast, and this is somewhat limiting. So, so Miata for each foot, and we're done. <laughs> got it. Excellent. Roller skates, Jess. Apparently, is the answer. And we've also we've got Russell in Maryland writing with. Um, he wants to add some spice to the garage, yep. keeping both current cars, but. Mm-hmm. They're empty nesters, he and his wife. Yeah. And he's now thinking, all right, what have I missed? What do I need to go drive? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm thrilled to go through the choices. Yeah, and, it's very cool. You know, expand a little bit. But, uh, yeah, let's jump right in to Jess here, who is a Swedish car enthusiast. Have you noticed this? Yes, I did notice this. This is amazing. He's got twenty to $25,000 plunked down on the next great car, he said. But he's currently got a 91 Volvo 940T wagon. And that's the new car. The 91 <laughs> Volvo is the new car like because that. the other one is the 1987 Saab 900T convertible. This is look. Jess's garage. Just let that sink in. Think mm-hmm. about those cars. Visualize them. Picture them. And he mm-hmm. says, why are all these, you know, why the Swedish turbos? And he says, well, the seats. Mm-hmm. We've talked about seats in Volvos and BMWs being yeah. the great seats. Yeah. He said they're super comfortable. They're quick for their day. 30 25 years ago, whatever yeah. their day was. Yeah. And he said both cars feature fairly upright driving positions because lots of glass and a great view with light mm-hmm. interiors, meaning mm-hmm. lots of daylight, not light yeah. Yeah, yeah, leather, yeah. light fabrics or whatever. Yeah. So, yes, it's uh, it's interesting to see how design has changed over the years. And I blame the 300C from 2005, the Chrysler 300C, mm. when it came yeah. out, re rethinking everything about proportion and the body side was really tall and the windows were very short. So they introduced new proportions that I think have really influenced car design from here on out. Not the style, but definitely proportion. So I come back to the, yeah, Mm, mid 2000s, 300 C for kind of, for ruining us all, you're saying? <laughs> I see Setting where you're going. Setting us in a new direction, more yes. delicately. Well, but, but, but that, that car directly, you can see that influence to the current Camaro, which, while fantastic yeah. to drive, yeah. is sitting in a bunker when you drive it. It's very difficult to see out of. And and do not try to, to easily slice through traffic in a Camaro at night. Ask me how I know, because <laughs> your blind spots are immense. So, yeah, that's not fun. This is where we are. But that's actually Jess's question, is he feels like he's driven recent stuff. Mm-hmm. And it all feels too much like a bunker for him. He feels like the door is too high and the ceiling's too low, and the window, the daylight openings, as you talk about, DLOs, are yep. all are all too small. And I, while I, I see your point, Paul, about design, Jess, I think there's a larger problem at play here. Hmm. Whenever we get in a car from the '90s, Paul and I get in a car from the '90s, or even the early 2000s, <laughs> people can see your hips. It feels like that. <laughs> but but the interesting thing is, uh, you'll hear people talk about how thick a pillars have gotten. Right, But you don't realize it until you get in a car from like the 90s, and suddenly it almost feels like there's no pillar there at all. There's no beam mm-hmm. there on the edges of the windshield. That's the A pillar, the edges of the windshield. That's the A pillar. On the side of a car, you taught me this, you can look at the places where the, where the roof connects. So mm-hmm. you have an A pillar, a B pillar at the back of the door, and then the C pillar at the back where it goes into the trunk. Yep. yep. If you have a seven-seater, you have D, E, and X pillars, okay? <laughs> it goes back a ways, my okay? X pillar is yeah, seriously, blocking that, my that, view. That's really weird. But uh, so, but your A pillar are the ones right there in your peripheral vision that the, the side mirror connects to, if you will. Yeah. Yep. And those used to be much thinner than they are now. 
And that sounds insane until you get into a modern car, and I mean something made in the last five years, and a car made 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jess, all of your cars are old enough. The other problem you're going to have that I honestly think you cannot surmount, and I hate to say it that way, is that safety regulations, rollover uh, tests, all these kind of things, the yeah. pedestrian test yeah. where now the hoods have all gotten big and bulbous, all of the these things. pedestrian smash zone on the hood. Totally. Yeah. All of these things have made all the cars bulkier. And you and unfortunately, that means your your pillars around the glass of the of the cabin have all gotten thicker. And if you buy a modern car, there's really no way around that. It just exists. So you're driving a car from the late '80s, early '90s, when yes, tons of glass and thin pillars, and wondering why none of the modern stuff is. And unfortunately, Jess, that's the thing. None of it will be. Yeah, and to your point, safety regulations have grown. So now there's airbags in a pillars. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. that means in they've every got to pillar, get thicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember Volvo, I forget which car, they did an A-pillar design that was uh, actually had glass in it, or it was translucent mm-hmm, just in mm-hmm, a few mm-hmm. places. It looked like one of those lighting rigs, those uh, vertical lighting stands yeah. you know, it's, for it's, rock concerts. You a, know? a partially see-through A-pillar, which is a crazy idea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then we got into regulations now driving the design of cars, and over the years, you can see it. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can see politics coming into play and safety regulations yep. and all that stuff. Yep. And I'm for safety regulations. I'm all for it. But then to his point here... This he said he watched our, our BMW 2002 piece recently. <laughs> yeah, car from 1974. It's a fishbowl. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. It, it's an, really, it's an upside-down bathtub. It's just this clear glass all the way around <laughs> you. are right. going, yeah. well, I feel a lot more connected to the road and to what yeah. I'm doing because I can see. Yeah, you can see everything. You can see everything. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, for sure. And so he says, you know, I, I loving the modern stuff, but clearly he's attracted to good seats, you know, the turbocharged goodness from yeah, these cars. Yeah, for sure. He loves the Miatas and Boxsters and S2Ks and all that stuff, but because he's 6'6 with the long legs, yeah, it's that's, that's an problem. issue. I it's mean, his problem, knees yeah. are up by his ears trying to drive a clown car, I'm sure. He's Just about, yeah. tried a few things. Speaking of which, he's been looking for things. He's looking for our suggestions. He's driven the 2015 Mercedes C300. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's given us kind of pros and cons here of, of everything about this car. Or all these cars. He'd like manual transmission, and he'd like involvement as a driver. And now think about cars from the range of 1990 and how much driver involvement and visibility they had and how analog they feel compared to modern cars. Poor Jess is shopping, trying to find that in a modern car. That is a tall order. The the Mercedes C300 was very nice. Unintended? There you go. Not not actually, but still. Okay. Uh, Because that was going to be really good. Well, you know. uh, Yeah. You could have taken that a long way, too. I could have written that until it fell over. You're right. But so the Mercedes C300 was very nice, but obviously isolating. He drove the Mazda CX-3 and CX-5, thought both were actually surprisingly impressive, but he starts asking the question of, do I want a CUV, which is not really what he was shopping for. Right. I mean, he likes them, but he's like, I don't know. He did drive a 2008 Saab 95 wagon and loved it <laughs> in spite of the fact it was beat down. Jess, it's clear that you just like these brands. It's kind of like me with Lotus or Paul with Porsche. There's just yep. They have a flavor about them that you like, and you got in that 95 yep. wagon and thought, this one's been essentially abused, and I still love it. Could I find a nice one? That was on there as well. And also you drove the 2018 Volkswagen Golf Alltrack, and wished it was a GTI. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so the other thing to note here for Jess is big sunroofs or convertible tops are a must. Manual transmission, great seats, driver involvement. Okay, and he's not into minis or fiats. <laughs> so he thought, now he's in rural far northern California. Mm-hmm. Think places that don't have dealerships or Maybe independent he, shops to work on these. He's not cars. in San Francisco. That's what we're talking right. about. Right. Yeah. He's not uh-huh. near the yeah. Bay Area where there's you know lots of infrastructure for fixing cars or yeah. servicing cars. He said, "Should I just push on my budget? Just get an Alpha Julia? Maybe. I don't see it on your list of things to drive, so I want to see it there first before you say that was a curveball. Because yeah, very he much said, so. "Here's a quirky car." And you're right. It's a quirky car. It's a unique car. Everything you know about it, and you're right. It has fantastic handling. So you're thinking maybe that checks all the boxes, but should I even consider it? That I was very surprised. That one came out of left field for me. I was like, Julia. Because the truth is, Jess, I like that car for you, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have gone there unless you brought it up. Honestly, I wouldn't have thought of it, but it influenced some of my other choices. I think it's intriguing, but my question for you is genuinely where are you going to get it serviced? 
Yeah, it was a left turn, though. The Alpha Julia, where did that come from? But he says, great handling, style, large panoramic sunroof is available in that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started out here. I went way back because you've gone way back, Jess. I allowed myself to just think of these cars. I'm not recommending either of them, but just to think of okay. them to get us in the right headspace. The 91 Acura Legend Coupe. Oh, wow. Thin B-pillars, yeah. thin yeah, yeah, yeah. pillars, yeah. lots of glass, yeah. lots of space for sure. your legs. Sure, yeah. And also the 90s Lexus SC300, mm. which used that Jay-Z engine out of the Supra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And only the SC300 was available in the manual transmission. The 400 was mm. not. Okay, yeah. And that was the bigger engine, then it went to second generation. I'm talking about first generation SC. Yeah. The yeah, second yeah. generation is nasty. I can't stand it. I see him around, I'm going, why did What you? happened there? Yeah. Uh, but the first generation, I had read an article from a design perspective the design team actually filled balloons with wet plaster of Paris and hand-sculpted and kind of squished them through their hands to make shapes as they were contemplating the design of the first-gen SC Coupes. Seriously? That's what influenced their design, and you can kind of see it. Was in this the, the staff retreat? What was this? That's <laughs> a bizarre was, day at the office. It was Therapy Friday at That's the design That's a really bizarre day at the office. This is what they did. Everyone, yeah. leave your mood board. Come over and grab a balloon. It's... <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Come take a balloon. That's absurd. There's a red one for you. No, it's it's sit on the little cubes. Yeah, pick, it was pick very your favorite much color like... cube. <laughs> okay, kids. Instead of sketching will will and always will be the fastest way to get an idea out of your head onto paper, onto sure, sure. seeing something. Yes, CAD modeling, CAD modeling, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But let's do something different. Let's expand our minds and get our hands dirty with some stuff. That's, that's what I read Amazing. from, from okay. way back. All right. All right. So think of that SC300. And I thought, that's a large car, though. It's large and heavy. But yeah. again, that kind of thinking, because mm-hmm. the, the pillars were thin. There's lots of sure. glass, lots of daylight. And then I tried to go smaller, which led me to the current 2 Series BMW, 228s, M235i's. Yes. I don't know if you can get the 235i for twenty five grand, but certainly the 228s. Which yeah. still retains some good proportions. Yeah. But then I thought... And they're good to drive it. And our friend Jack, great to who went it. with us to pilgrimage, is 6'7". Yeah. Yes. And he handily fits in one of those, including a helmet. Exactly right. That's, that's a good point. That's, that's my thinking. Point. Yeah. So you could go 228i. We love those cars. You need to have an M Sport pack on that car. Highly recommend it. That's more important than the engine size you get. Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, it is. But then I thought, where did that too serious thinking come from? Okay. It was the E46 generation. So I went shopping sure. for okay. you. Okay. All right. How about, Jess, an E46 2003 M3 convertible, 52,000 miles, manual transmission, silver on black. The convertibles mm. have lost more value than the coupes, I think, at this Big point. Time. Big time they have. It was 20 grand, right? Bang on yeah, 20 yeah. grand. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And others that you find, of course, are a lot more miles. So if you search and kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. do a lot more. I mean, you could go down to the Bay Area, search around there. There's probably mm-hmm. plenty of stuff yeah. to choose from. But I'm just thinking E46 M3 convertible, mm. they're mm. a bit more rare. But if you find that manual and the convertible, that could be interesting. Interesting. I do like that. And then, yeah, the 2 Series is always viable as well. But trying to get smaller, more compact, but mm-hmm. still think... Just as a big guy, but you're right. Jack fit in it just yes, fine. Yes, very great. well. And he drove all around, you know, spa and the ring and just thoroughly enjoyed that car. He enjoyed it so much he actually bought one when he came out to our Laguna track. <laughs> exactly. Day. So, I mean, it clearly worked. And Jack for him. is fast, too. I mean, he was towering over me as he drove by me. He's yeah. fast. He's and very he's fast, yeah. Huge. Yes, it, it all worked huge out. Guy. So, so, so just think about that. I actually really liked the Alpha Julia for you. I think it's really interesting, and I love that that car intrigues you. I. I don't get the sense you've driven it, so I wonder your thoughts on the seats. I actually like the seats in the Quadrifoglio. I don't know how the seats do as you go down to the lesser versions, and you, Jess, are going to have to test it to we see what you think of the press seats. Car, or no? We drove. We did drive a base model. We and drove, it was still nice. It was still nice. Trying but, to remember the seats, but the thing, but the, well, I, I don't remember having any issues with them. They yeah. weren't the big, heavily bolstered ones in the in the the QF, but right. Uh, but at the same time. Uh, the other thing is that seats, we talked about this before, but it's very true. Seats are so personal. They really are. And yeah. you can, you know, get, you and I, while we're similar in many, many ways, we'll complain about different things in seats. Just because you and I both at 6'3 are built differently enough, we're like, I don't like this. Oh, I think it's fine. It's which amazing. Is crazy. We can see the differences. I, I look mm-hmm. at stitching lines in the seat, and your shoulders are, 
I don't yeah. know, an inch taller than Completely. mine, Completely. but we're the same yeah. height. Yeah. So Absolutely I guess I've true. got longer legs and yep. yeah. and then chances on the far end of the scale. He's like, you yeah. know, a stumpy torso and all legs over here. <laughs> Just so, kidding. So it's interesting. So Jess, you're going to have to sit in a Julia and see if those seats work for you. But that made me think of, of a couple others. But before I get into a couple others, I do want to say this to you. You, you kind of walked past the Boxster in this discussion. Mm-hmm. And I want to challenge you to go get in one. It's good. Because the Boxster, more so than the Miata, certainly more than the S2000, the Boxster is a convertible that is small that has a surprising amount of space. It does. Yeah. Plenty of tall people drive Boxsters, Caymans, and 911s. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I, I really recommend you go find a Boxster and just see, do I fit? Because you just might. Again, Chance and his wife have one, mm-hmm. and yep. he fits great in that. You have your he Cayman, does. and you and I could get in your car with a helmet on. Yeah. So you'd be I mean, surprised. The, the curve of that roof, that compound curvature roof mm-hmm. both directions is actually pretty surprisingly roomy up there. Yes, I mean, agreed. So I, I think it's amazing. I, I think you shouldn't discount the Boxster yet unless you've actually gotten in it and gone, this is too small. I will completely back you on Miata and S2000, I agree with you. I think the Boxster might just be enough. I like so it, So yeah. at least go go try that. But I, I followed the Alpha Julia idea, and I have two, and they're going to seem maybe obvious, but you need to drive the Chevy SS. Okay. You've brought up big sedans. Yeah, true. And with the Julia, you can't get a manual. So even though you said you'd like a manual, clearly manual's not required. So the SS, you can get it either way, right? So, true. So here's the thing. We just saw a plethora of Chevy SS. We just saw more Chevy SS than I thought they sold at a recent car show. Here. Yeah, it was amazing. But but the Chevy SS, I can't speak to its amazing sunroof. It's got a sunroof, but I can't speak to how amazing it is. Um, but at the same time, that is a car that is a big car, but it is very much in the vein of that Julia. Mm-hmm. And you could get them, so go shop those guys. Now, actually, to be honest, it's going to be the upper level of your budget. They might actually be for the one you want, might be thirty grand. So maybe I'm out there, but. In your budget, I thought about I thought about this A pillar problem. Interesting. Jess, the issue is you can't buy a new car, like a new, like a last two or three years car, because none of them really solve this A pillar issue. No, You've got to really buy a thick, car. Actually. You've got to buy a car from the early two thousands to jump you up ten to fifteen years newer than the cars you have now. Mm-hmm but yet not into the current regulations. It sounds crazy to think this way, but not into the current regulations because all of those A-pillars are going to be too thick and the door side's too high. Yeah. Which led me on what I think might be your car. Okay. Because you said your concern with modern BMWs, and I love your BMW recommendations, Paul, but you said your concern with modern BMWs is the ones you've driven. You haven't driven all of them, but the ones you've driven felt big and numb. And I agree, in many cases, that's true in a lot of the BMW lineup. I think the 2 Series does a good job of not being that, yeah. but it still yeah. has those big, thick A-pillars on it that does. car. It does. surprisingly thick. I mean, it's the modern standard now. Totally, totally. So, but hang on. You went early 2000s E46. You went yeah. M3. I'm yeah. going M5. I found them for 25 grand. Now, there really? are M5s out there. This is the E39 M5. It is a rock oh, star the nice sedans. ones are expensive. They're the still nice 40, ones 50 are, grand. Or 60 for the guys that got really low miles yeah. and don't really want to sell it. You know, those guys. Oh, you know, but interesting. genuinely, for 25 grand, they're out there. I mean, probably higher miles, but yeah. usually I was they're looking well at cared for. I was looking at them. They were like 70-something thousand miles, which is not yeah. like 200,000 or something well, ridiculous. Yeah, you know but what they're I mean? cared for because People they're such like a rare enthusiast yes. car. So that's that on the good side. That still has yeah. the good BMW hydraulic steering. Yeah. It still has thinner A-pillars. It's roughly the size of the Julia. It's actually a little smaller than a lot of these sedans we've got now that are the same size because yep. everything's gotten larger. I think you need to take a serious look at that early 2000s M5. It is the E39 designation. That's the model. But but the ones I was shopping for today, for example, were like 2003s. At 25 grand, there they were like, here was a page of them. Wow. So They're so great. Uh, that so that great. M5 is a really, that's an icon of car. And so you really should take a serious look at those. I think that's, that's an option. And I do want you to drive a Boxster. But I wonder if, I feel like we need to get you, now this sounds strange, Jess, I think we need to get you halfway to a modern car. Hmm. From where you are yeah. to now, halfway. halfway yeah, you're point. right. And maybe in a few years you jump again. But for now, you can't jump new. You can't. And that's crazy to say. Isn't it amazing? You've made me think of that 540i, same E39 body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the 540i still had a lot of power. Mm-hmm. It was the 
big V8 in that car, and you could get it also with this six-speed manual. If you don't want to go M5 or can't for any reason. Or you could do the trade-off thing. What if you drop down to the 540? Yeah, I like this. I like this. They're still really great. You could get one with some of the M bits, like the the partial M car, if you will. Right. It's got the the nice four-liter, and it's got all the stuff that makes it an M car without being the M car upcharge, if you will. I think it was almost 300 horsepower, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it's in that range. Those are still, you're right, those are still really cool. And the six-speed manual. Yeah, I like it. I like it. black with those wheels from that generation, I really liked. They were just tight. They were the sleeper of that I generation. I love that great blue, that dark blue oh, they had yeah. on that car. That's yeah, the no way kidding. you want it. But anyway, that's cool. So hopefully, Jess, something in there is helpful. Uh, I, I feel your pain on the A-pillar problem. I, I really do. And there's unfortunately, there's no way around it right and now. And they're not going thinner. I mean, maybe nope. with airbag technology getting us, you know, going the, back the other way, I suppose. But, you know, you see late... 2000s cars and the A-pillars, the Mercedes, whatever it is. They're thick. They're chunky. Yeah, it's crazy. So now we've got to go the other way. All right. Well, Jess, thank you so much for writing. If you've got your own debate, I say this every time. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can find us on the website under About. So it's the contacts right under the About tab there Mm -hmm. at the far Mm -hmm. right, and you go to everydaydriver.com for that. Write to us. Love to hear your debate as well. And we are going to take a pause and come right back. You're not going to believe this, but I'm going to talk about underwear. Yes, it's a family podcast, but I'm still going to talk about underwear. There is a company called MeUndies. That's right. It's MeUndies. It's expelled exactly like you think it is. Think of it this way. The right underwear is as important as the right car, and we choose the right car for you. They come right to your door, and every good driver needs good underwear. If you go to MeUndies right now, there is a no-risk trial offer. If you're not happy, they'll refund the cost, and you can keep the pair of underwear. Because they don't want them back. Because you're listening to this show, you can get 15% off your first pair and free shipping. All you got to do is go to MeUndies.com slash driver. I don't need to hear about it, but you can go get underwear there. The first 25 folks to send a proof of purchase, which is a screenshot of your purchase or the receipt, you will get another pair free if you send that proof of purchase to gift at podcast one with driver in the subject line. You will soon have another pair in your collection. They've also got hoodies. They've got really cool pants you can hang out in. Men, women, it can be shipped right to you. Go to MeUndies.com slash driver. Yes, MeUndies. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with the term MSRP. You might even know what that stands for, but do you know what it actually means? And how about invoice or list price or dealer price? It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even arrive at the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your house. How do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealer knows this, so they'll set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. You know what's a must-have in your car care arsenal? It's a Brush Hero. This is the water-powered detailing tool that's perfect for tough areas like wheel spokes and engines, tailpipes and grills, and even bicycles. Interestingly, Brush Hero requires no batteries or electricity. It scrubs slowly with an impressive amount of torque. This was created by Car Guys. It's designed to be tough, quick, and effective without causing damage. It's easy to use. Just hook it up to a standard garden hose, flip the handy on-off switch, and start cleaning. Brush Hero is a great gift idea, and they've got an extensive line of gift sets and accessories. And now, our listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with code DRIVER. You can also find the Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores. But don't forget to use the code DRIVER at BrushHero.com for 10% off, and all orders over $40 ship free. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. We're back with a debate for Russell writing to us from Maryland. He and his wife, they're now empty nesters, mm-hmm. and they have two cars that they, that they like that are just paid for, and they work, and it's fine. They don't have to go anywhere. His, uh, they have a CRV, yeah, on the right. CRV, and a Volvo uh, XC70. 
and they do all of the, the workaday life stuff. Like the Volvo. Like it. Just straight ahead, Russell says, look, these are not fun cars. It wasn't their purpose. That's not why we bought them. We bought them at the time of life when they were the right cars for the job. Right, right. But now those cars can stay and be the utility cars and be the this has to run and do the commute and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's just shopping fun car. This is where he says he wants to add spice back into his life. He says he commutes 50 miles a day round trip in the Volvo into Washington, D.C. But again, he doesn't want to sell the cars because they're both paid for. They've got their purpose. And his wife runs errands, stuff around town Mm -hmm. for volunteering, that kind of stuff. So he's looked at to his past to start thinking about what cars he should start driving in the future. And right now he's compiling a list. And I love this, Russell. Mm -hmm. You're compiling a list of here's the things I want to go drive, and it sounds like you're pretty open, also based on your past, which include a C6 Corvette, Mm -hmm. the first-generation RX-7. If you have not seen our review on that one, we drove a 1983. Yes. We just saw that car again at the Eaglewood Car Show. And it's how to have ridiculous amounts of fun with 100 horsepower. (laughs) That's what that car is, yeah. He's had a 69 Firebird convertible and a Jetta GLI. And then, of course, other forgettable cars along the way, as he says. Yes, yes. But he wants a sports car, manual transmission, weekend drives, and maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, depending on the weather, commute this car into D.C. Yeah, what the heck, why not kind of thing. Why yeah. not? Yeah. It, does, it doesn't have to be the daily, but it can be. That's what I love about this. For a warm stretch in July or August. Yeah, why not? Yeah. All right, so he wants it to be reliable, iconic. Iconic stuck out to me. I agree. Preferably convertible. So we're mm-hmm. also looking at convertibles for Russell and definitely fun to drive. So that. when you say fun, it you know, handling speaks to us, mm-hmm. you know, layout of the package, totally. you know, the, the engine, the Typically power. Typically it's going to be rear stuff. wheel drive and on the smaller side. I mean, that's kind of where we end up when we start thinking about it this way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he'd prefer to keep it under 30 grand, limiting me to 35,000 with the, with the Paul limiter. Mm-hmm. And he said, on the radar are so far the 911, the 996, or 997 generations. Yeah, yeah. Another Corvette C6 or going to a C7 Corvette. Corsa Miata, Mustang GT, and the Boxster, as you've just talked about as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you know, maybe the 997 C6 generations of these cars are not quite yet in the 35,000 range. He's willing to wait until that dies down, until they come down. Mm-hmm. But he's essentially asking, what car should be on my list and what have I missed? Yeah, it's the must-drive list yeah. and the possible purchase list. I want to speak real quickly. We actually had this conversation with our friend Shane who came through town. That's yeah, a yeah. long-time listener of the show. And yeah. if you've listened to the show for a while, we actually talked about Shane and his son. This is a way he's back. But we actually got to meet Shane, which is very cool. Yeah. And yeah, he yeah. asked the 996-997 question. Mm-hmm. We talked about and this at length. We, we kind of did a live car debate over we dinner. Did. We, we did. It was that thing where he was like, I hate to do this, but. So we had that. <laughs> we had that conversation. But this is what we do. So uh, here's the big thing. Look, I like the 996. The 996 is the smart money 911. It's just you buy it, you drive it, you don't yeah. have to worry about it. And yeah. they're out there, and they run, and they're fun, and they're great sports cars. If you're coming from a somewhat modern car, that interior is really dated. Unfortunately. And it's dated enough that I think you're going to notice a lot. Like, often you're going to be like, this car feels old. I think black does it the most justice to try to... Yes, but still, that, with the way the still, buttons are and that yeah. kind of stuff, it's, it's almost like, here, here's a bad equivalent, it's almost like GM products from the late 90s where everything was bulbous. Yeah. It's the same kind yeah. of, wow, this aged quick. Got you know? super bulbous radiuses and all the buttons and everything. All the buttons yeah. look like a bubble. It's like this <laughs> bubble that came out of the dash. <laughs> yeah. It's that same kind of thing, but done by Porsche. It's got that overly rounded thing. It is not aged well. They're like 90s Ford Tauruses on every button, this rounded, goofy, weird <laughs> exactly. shape. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Dale, who we do lemons with, he has a 996 that, that I hate to say that. It's, it's a combination of his daily and his beater. He just drives it. And it's great. And it's wonderful. And it's yeah. perfect to drive. But because of its usage in his life, that's not a concern. If this is going to be your special car, right, right, I think you have to wait for 997, which compared to current interiors, especially at Porsche, yes, it's dated, but it doesn't feel old. But I think that interior will last longer. It's much more and, timeless. And much more better timeless. Than I mean, I think of it like well. the, the 300ZX interior or the first-gen Acura NSX interior. Right, Those are right. old interiors, but they don't feel nearly as dated as they are. They're somewhat timeless in design. I think the 997 yeah. does that. The 996 does not. Now, for those of you who don't speak Porsche... The 996 <laughs> is the uh, the 90s to early 2000 generation, okay? And the 997 is 
2005 to like 2011. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. so this is what we're talking about. 20, so so wait for 12, the newer yeah, yeah wait for that. the newer 911 prices if you're debating those. I, I really want to kind of guide you there because, we, again, we just had this conversation. So start, starting with Porsches, I wanted to start there and also say that I think for you, though, honestly, Russell, if you if you shop Porsche, I think the Boxster is the sweet spot in the lineup. Hmm, you do. Are you staying there on Boxster? For... I've got other ideas, but I just, okay. I, I'm just i handing off to you because I feel like I've Porsche ranted enough. Interesting. Uh, I That never happens. Uh, all right. So things that uh, I, I agree with you here, Russell, the uh, the Boxsters, the Caymans, the 997 C7 Corvette. I did find a really nice AP1 Honda S2000. It was 2001 Ooh. in red, 40,000 miles. They're asking $20,900. An AP1, that surprises me. AP1. You could probably get an AP2 for this money, too. You probably could, yeah, actually. But yeah. this has 40K miles. I mean, yeah, that's nice. I'm just saying, as iconic cars go, that's where my headspace yes, is at. from an iconic perspective, S2000 is way up there. Because I'm just, my headspace is less on here's your car, Russell, and more we need a variety of things under your rear end, the feeling, all that kind of stuff. They are. Yeah. Because then if you come back to a C7 Corvette, great. Mm-hmm. You know, what, totally. I'm just giving that as an example. But you're right. This, the S2000 should at least be driven in this discussion. Big time. Yeah. Audi TTs are iconic. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. All I right. mean, as far as Boxsters and, you know, that kind of stuff, yeah, it might not be the... You know the same yeah. driving it's experience, not as good but, dynamically, but as an iconic yeah. car, sure, sure, and the more powerful that. ones, that car mm-hmm. influenced a lot of people and a mm-hmm. lot of styling in the early two thousands. All right, so what else? Uh, two thousand or two thousand one BMW M Roadster. I like that car. Okay, for All this right. price. All right, because again, we've talked about the older cars that are really nice with low miles. Who buys them? But <laughs> yeah. they've they've been it. missed dearly yeah. in the pantheon of enthusiast sports cars. That led me to the the 2006 to 2008 BMW Z4 M Coupe. Yeah, got to yeah. drive that car. Yeah, and you can get that in convertible if you want. But the M Coupe is really cool. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did add the 2006 year generation, the first generation, right at the tail end, that John Cooper Works GP kit that came on the Mini Cooper. Oh, sure, yeah. Kind of spicy. Yeah, I can see kinda that. Kind of different. Yeah. yeah I yeah. liked that. And Well, I wouldn't say convertible on that car, but maybe. And then I went to the things that you're missing is the entire hot hatch segment, but front-wheel drive, it's different architecture. But just for comparison's sake, drive a GTI. That is an iconic car. Yeah, okay, okay. And I know this is not a manual transmission car. I'd love it if they did and got a wild hair and did this. But we <laughs> talk about it. Mercedes-AMG GLA 45. Yeah. GLA-AMG 45. Either way, yes. We're with you. Yeah, I, I look at this as the gentleman's hot hatch. Because mm-hmm, I, I thought, oh, what about the Evo and the WRX? I don't think Russell would consider these cars. No, I don't think that's the right feel. But what no. about the gentleman's version of that, even possibly, though possibly. it's not manual? Well, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I say you get the GLA and you sell the Volvo, and it just becomes That'd your be hot. car. I know we're shopping for a third car, but I think if the GLA showed up in the driveway, the Volvo becomes less and less relevant. You Could know. we spend forty Russell, get the AMG <laughs> and a cheap Miata? There you go. Could we there get those two and and the Volvo goes? This is what we do. We're we're just moving <laughs> everything around. You say it's not on the table. It's on the table for us, sir. Exactly. So yeah, that's happened. Exactly. So I I like the the M Roadster, the M Coupe okay. for you to go drive because those need to be on your list, Russell. Yeah. Okay. Well, the you mentioned you owned a C6 Corvette, so that mm-hmm. instantly makes me say if you're gonna shop Corvette, you have to go C7. Yeah, it's that's not even kind of worth considering other than that. But you also yeah. need to drive. If you haven't driven yet, drive the current-gen Miata MX-5. You mentioned it kind of in passing here. The ND Miata, definitely drive that. And I recommend you drive it in the RF retractable fastback hardtop ah. trim because you could get a new one for your money. That thirty-five grand is right where those live. Okay? Huh. You can get a brand new. That car, here's the thing. The Miata is the most successful sports car ever, pretty much, okay? So you say, I have a Miata, and it, it feels whatever people's perceptions are of a Miata, and it's not all yeah. a unique car. But the, the current gen is great looking. 
and in RF, it is iconic. Hmm. It looks yeah. like the sexy Miata coupe that the world has kind of always wanted. So I think that's a real contender. It is here. great looking. It's, it's great so looking great looking. Real contender here. Yeah. And then while you're there, I think for you're talking about benchmarking purposes and driving things. You need to go drive the Fiat 124 Spider, which is essentially the Fiat. You need to go drive it. You think? I think he needs to from because that that for me that car is a love it or hate it styling. It is. I don't feel like anybody feels. I'm not a fan. Genuinely, I'm not a fan. Watch our piece from last season. I like it better than Miata, though. But you like it better, which yeah. is interesting. You and I are completely split on this. This is my point. I feel like the people that see it, that like it, like it instantly. They look at it like I really like that instantly. Nobody, no. I don't feel like anybody warms to the styling of that car. You either sure. like it or you don't. Sure. Okay. So go get it in a 124 and drive that car because with the turbo engine it's got a very different feel i don't like it as much you liked it more yeah i like so the we turbo were split punch. on that I, I so i everything. think because you're driving stuff drive the rf uh mx5 and drive the 124 so you can compare them mm. because i think That's honestly good. i actually wonder because of what you're shopping for if one of those cars isn't your answer because you're shopping that they are full-on third cars That's they're perfect for that so those are my my favorites but then i have a wild card okay good and i have a wild card because i think you'd really like it but you can't get it in a manual okay but for your budget you can get them they're out there the jaguar f-type convertible you can get them for this money for 35 35 grand grand, you can go get one what i found them as low as 29 in some places the first year i admit i kind of discounted them in my mind because i just thought no there's no way they're you can't, still too expensive. You can't find the convertible early gens in the manual. You're not going to find that combination. It's not out there. I looked. Okay? But you can get yourself a Jaguar F-Type. Now, this is a car that handles really well. It looks amazing. Oh, it's gorgeous. Sounds amazing. It's very recent tech. It's it's kind of the latest and greatest. It's really nice. I think you, 35, you probably... 35, though? Yeah. Here, here's the thing. If I were shopping, I'm a guy, and I realize that this is not everybody, but... I'm a guy, if I'm going to shop a convertible, mm-hmm. I don't know that I get a Corvette. I like okay, the Corvette. Right. I like the Corvette with the removable Targa and the, and the, you know, the coupe shape and the removable Targa. I don't like it nearly as much as a convertible. That's, that's just me. Hmm. But if I'm going to shop convertibles, I leave Corvette and I start to think, what's similar? And I instantly go to Aston Martin and F-Type. And F-Type, you can do. What if we sold the Volvo and combined the budget and just got the F-Type? Just got the F-Type and called it a day? Just that's call a it possibility, a day. yeah. Because yeah, F-Type. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's, that's my wild card. It's out there, but they're out there. Dig it. All right, Russell, thank you very much for writing to us. And uh, we've got social media questions to jump to. I got watch questions. Did you see this? Uh, I've noticed, yes. I'm I little, am excited I'm about yeah. the watch questions. And Daniel M. on Facebook asked me, what are my thoughts on Linger or Linger as a starter watch? Have I looked at these? Yes, I have. This was started have by a duo. Have looked at them? Have I looked at them? Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I like them. They're actually very, very clean, very Bauhaus styling, very you know designerly modern, all that kind of stuff. Do you hear white noise in your headphones too or is it Skanska just Skanska watches, very <laughs> – it's like you know the Movada watches. I always tease people like, oh, I hope you didn't pay too much for that watch because you didn't get numbers on there. You know, ha, ha, ha. All Sorry. right. So, yes, I have looked at them. They're interesting. They're a little bit small for my taste. They're 38 millimeters. And even the chronograph is. So I would like a bigger watch. I like 42 to 44 millimeters. That's just me. But the trend now the, nowadays is actually towards the smaller hmm. 38 to 40 millimeters in size. Interesting. Okay. They've gone back. It used to be uh, 46 millimeters, gigantic clock on your wrist, flavor flav on your wrist. You know, I'm yeah. taking oh, you wow. way back. Okay. Anyway. That was around his neck, but even I, I know, followed but that. You, but you still, get the yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. It sort of looked like, you know, what are, what are you trying to do here? Yeah. And Apparently he was always late. Yeah, yeah, Invicta has has ruined everybody for you know inexpensive giant watches on your wrist. So <laughs> I get it. We're going back to just a clean look, which mm-hmm. I I do like. And this is a brand that is watches under five hundred dollars mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. good starter watch. Yeah, yeah. But I do want you, Daniel, to look at the Alpina Star Timer Pilot Quartz GMT for six hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Paul's blown your Paul limiter for watches as well. <laughs> what Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Paul has overspent your watch budget. Just take a look at Alpina as a, I, I like them because they are a Swiss manufacturer. And even though this is a quartz, the pilot quartz, it's not a Swiss mechanical movement, they're gonna be excellent timekeepers, a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. Your entry into Swiss watches. Okay. Uh, just as an alternative, just food for thought. Wow. 
Well done. <laughs> I, I'm, wow. I'm going to talk cars for a minute. I know that sounds crazy. All right. Uh, I'm going to answer a question from K1111Ann on Instagram. Okay. But he is asking a question that I have seen for the last few weeks asked in various ways by many people. Okay. Okay. All right. So it's not just him. Uh, he's, he's essentially saying, what's up with the Focus ST? This, oh. is, this is the question. Oh, it's a right, recurring right, right. question. Yes. We recommend the Fiesta ST. We recommend the RS. We rarely discuss the Focus ST. I've been wanting to I get want, to this. I want to answer Thank this you. question, but I want to talk a little more globally for a second. This question in various forms is fairly common, okay? And here's what I mean. There are a lot of cars, and, and not always, but a lot of cases, they come up from people that are owners that mm-hmm. say, why don't you ever recommend fill-in-the-blank car that I own? Oh, okay. sure. Right. Here's, here's the thing that happens. And I will admit, if you want to call it bias or blind spots or whatever, but here's what happens. Generally, when a car doesn't get discussed, I want to come up with another example, and I want to come back to the ST. Generally, when a car doesn't get discussed, it's because there is a standout in that segment that is above the car that, that you feel like is getting skipped over. If you think about it in our, in our star rating thing that we do for the show. Yeah. There's a lot of cars out there that are three, three and a half stars. They're excellent cars. Right. When anybody comes up and says, I bought this, I'm like, that's a fantastic car. Congratulations. I bet you love that. But if you were to come at me asking about that segment, I'll give you a great example. The 370Z from Nissan. Yeah. Fun to drive. Excellent car. Solid car. Runs well. Looks good. All of these things. Every time we have it on the track, we think this is a really good car. Right. We think they're a little expensive new, and they're also long in the tooth. But they're very – I mean, anybody comes up to me and says, I bought a 370Z, I'm going to say – Congratulations. Yeah, good on you. love driving that car. Yeah. The problem is the Cayman. <laughs> Caymans exist. The Cayman is a better car on uh-huh. all fronts than the 370Z. Uh-huh. So it's difficult to recommend the 370Z unless it makes lots of sense for a potential owner because the Cayman exists. doesn't mean the 370Z isn't solid. Right. It's just the Cayman's the better if car. If they have a Japanese so car proclivity totally. or they're leaning that way or so Nissan fans the, or whatever. Now to the Focus. What's the problem with the Focus? There's really no problem with the Focus. Watch our, our Focus ST versus Mazda Speed 3 piece. Mm-hmm. We like the Focus ST. Yeah. We drove it in the, the Fiesta Focus uh, thing at our local track here, that, that track day, the Octane right. Academy. Right, Octane Academy. Yeah. I actually preferred the Fiesta at the end of the day, but you preferred the Focus overall. I did. I did. The Focus was really strong, especially on the track. It's a very solid car. If you say to me, I drive a Focus ST, I'm going to say, awesome car, man. Right, right. Okay? But here's the thing. If you're shopping hatchbacks, okay, and you're shopping like rally bread, move the power around, defy physics hatchback. Right. The RS is way up there. It is. It's, yeah. it's one of the guys. I mean, the Evo <laughs> doesn't exist anymore, so the RS is way up there. It's spectacular. Okay? So it gets discussed because yeah. it's a real standout. If you're looking for, I just want cheap and chuckable and I need a fun little uh, that's where the Fiesta comes in cheap chuckable and chewy seriously something but that's where the Fiesta comes in I just want a car that's just fun to drive and has a laugh personality Fiesta because yeah. it's more it's more fun to drive and more of a laugh more chuckable I would say than the Focus ST certainly in kind of normal driving yeah okay I think the Focus I think your argument is good the Focus could be better on track but short of that I think Fiesta is just more fun yeah, it is. So the Fiesta is crazy fun. But if you say to me you want a hatchback, you want it to be fun, Fiesta ST. You say to me you want a hatchback, that you want it to be nice inside, GTI. True. So that's the, the problem wins. with the Focus. Yeah. If you're wanting a commuter hatchback, it's not Focus ST. It's Mazda 3. It's because other cars exist. That's the problem. So the right. fo- there's nothing wrong with the Focus, right. guys. If you have one, congrats, because they're cool cars. We've had a few friends. Jason Connor, who, who's a good fan of yeah, the show, friend absolutely. of the show. Yeah. He had one for a while. He loved that he tuned it with Montune. It was a beast. Oh, they're fast. They're okay. great. But the they're problem great. is when people come at us with different questions, it ends up. this is one of the cars that ends up, if you will, in the blind spot because other things overshadow it depending upon the way we're coming at the question. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answers the question. If you're hearing a car that you – well, if you're not hearing a car – Feel free to ask us. Yeah, for sure. And, Absolutely. And know that it's probably not getting mentioned, not because we don't like it or we, we hate it or we're trying to avoid it. It's probably just got a blind spot in with some other car ahead of it. No, that's excellent. Well, the only Matt Wong 83 on Instagram asked, what percent of a Golf R is a GTI? Mm. Which kind of keeps in the theme mm-hmm. of this because mm-hmm. we've talked about these two cars as, you know, who are you? What do you yeah, want? Yeah. The 2018 GTI has almost everything the R does except for all-wheel drive. It's yeah. kind of, I mean, they're same company. I mean, they yeah, yeah, same sure, car sure, sure. Pr- practically. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. and the 
uh, Haldex's uh, distribution of power is mostly front-biased on the R. essentially a front-wheel drive car until things get really bad. Yes, so it kind of still feels like just a more powerful GTI. Totally. So yes, more power and the all-wheel drive, but it adds weight too. Mm -hmm. And so for 2018 at least, it's almost kind of like go for the GTI, and if you want to crank it up and go throw it, there's a zillion parts companies to go do (laughs) any category, brakes, engine, exhaust, whatever that is. Go throw money at that, and you've still got a less expensive Golf R. I think it depends on how you use it, but I think for most people, it's between 80 and 90% as much car as the Golf R. I think so, too. I think it's pushing, yeah, 85, 90, somewhere yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You get the performance pack that helps you with the LSD and all that. I uh-huh. mean, that's a, that's a really compelling car and then you for think, significantly less money. Why, why the R? Why does the R exist? Now, they need to make a bigger differential. They need to push that to... Mm. 350, you know, wow, well, 320. Wow. I wish it wasn't yeah. a Haldex system because well, I think yeah. you would enjoy it a lot more and, and I think you would feel a lot more how much of a difference there is in corners. You've got to push that car pretty hard for the Haldex to go, oh, wait, sorry, it's my job mm-hmm. now, right, isn't it? So it kind of gets involved and then you can definitely tell some difference in rotation, but you've got to be pushing pretty hard. And in most of your day-to-day stuff, I don't think you're ever going to find the difference, to be honest. I mean, they need to go talk to their friends at Audi and say, hi, we've got this Golf R. Could you guide us on what to do? Ah, let's go quattro on this thing. Interesting. I see your point. Let's yeah. do some nicer interiors. Let's you know do some different things. Let's mm. supercharge it or punch the power up. Or interesting. You know, who knows? Who knows? They've they've got the tech. They've got the people. Yeah, right for sure. there. For sure. That they keep it fairly separate, is my understanding. Damn it, Patton had a question about uh, our episode this weekend is Tesla Model 3. Actually, tomorrow. Tesla tomorrow, Model 3 yeah. and Chevy Bolt. He's seriously considering a Bolt. He he has a, he's been shopping the Volt, and he's considering the Bolt as the alternative. The Volt, for those of you following along, these names should be more different than they aren't. I'm sorry. Blame GM. <laughs> uh, the Volt is the, is the, has only electric power for 20 or so miles, 20, 30 miles, and right. now it's essentially a hybrid, okay? Right. So it, you can plug it in. Some people can use it just as an electric car if you don't drive very far. The Bolt is fully electric, okay? So his question about the Bolt is, if he was charging from home, the little wall socket. He's not going to get the heavy-duty charger. Is the Bolt worth it? Mm. Now, damn it, Patton, um, that's fun to say. Uh, the, the thing is, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to hear much com- commentary about this and about it in relation to the Model 3, and I don't want to undermine any of that. But here's the crazy thing about the Bolt. If you go to, like, an EVgo charger, you can get, I think it's like 30 miles. Uh, no, it's 90 miles it's in 30 minutes. Miles 90 30 miles in 30 minutes, minutes, minutes yeah. which is great. Yep. If you get the nice pay the money for the super-duper wall charger in your garage, you can charge it in six or eight hours. It says supercalifragilistic on the charger, actually, because they know it's better. Here's the crazy thing. For every hour, I'm going to get this wrong, but if memory serves, for every hour that you plug it into a 110 normal wall socket, you get like four miles. So it takes, we did the math, it would take 50, five zero. Hours to fully recharge your bolt without getting the good charger. The good charger will do it like your phone overnight. Yeah. If you're plugging into your wall socket, my friend, this is not the car for you. And the little dials on your meter on the outside of the house, they're like, it's like a fan. It would cool you down. They're spinning so fast. But it's so slow. 50 hours to recharge the entire. Now, granted, I mean, you can get 300 miles of range out of it, but it took you. It took you two days to charge your car. Yeah, Yeah, true. All right, Instagram also, DevoB1 says, I don't normally get extended warranties, but when buying a used three- to four-year-old European car or SUV, should I more seriously consider doing this? Hmm. Depends on the car. Depends on your appetite for doing things yourself or learning to do some things yourself, like oil changes. Start with the simple stuff. Sure, yeah. Because just the hourly rate for many dealerships and some shops can be really, uh, Mm. yeah, really checking you. So I would say, depending on the car, maybe so. If it's it's within your budget, you're able to do it, and it gives you a good feeling about, you know what? If something goes wrong, I'm covered. Then I say yes. I'm all for it. But if it's a $2,500 warranty and, wow, you know, the car's only got... 20 to 40,000 miles on it and that kind of thing, I think you might be throwing your money away. It just, it depends on every situation, I would say. So I, I can't do a there blanket statement. There are many statement. variables, yeah, for I sure. I can't make a blanket statement saying, oh, it's European, oh, always get the extended warranty. No, change the oil and keep driving it. 
should be fine. You have to do the the speculative math, which is not yeah. a sentence I think I've ever said, where you have to go like – We do math on this podcast? No, we really don't. We really, really My don't. My brain uh, hurts already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And f- the financial recommendations are poor. I read car uh, picture books too. Like, mm-hmm. Books? What? The uh, the thing you have to do is you have to figure out, okay, does this car – is it known for transmission issues? What's the transmission cost? You have to weigh these kind of things. It's going to take some digging to figure out the cars you're looking at. What are they known to have problems with, and what does that cost? Is that more than the warranty? That's going to be probably math part one, but there will be much other layers of math, and that frightens me. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, another quick watch question from Rescue Pets Motorsports. Okay. I posted a video of a 1982 Bell Jet Ranger, 206 Jet Ranger, yes. landing at the car show that we were just at on Monday. Our, our terrible joke was <laughs> the only way to show up all of the exotics at a car show is to land at the car show in your chopper. Yeah, they landed on a really small tee box, too, and it was just sort of like... They buzzed the crowd and just came in for a nice little landing. And if people had decided they wanted to jump for joy while they were landing, we would have chopped them in half. I mean, this was close to the crowd. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was very surprising. But it is the ultimate throwdown of, you guys have got nice cars while I fly my family in. Ugh. Yeah, anyway. Somebody did that, so I, I posted the, the video. I thought it was inter- entertaining and interesting. But he says, what watch do you wear when flying a bell to a car some coffee? <laughs> what watch should you wear when one flies your helicopter in problems i don't have i don't even wear a watch nor do i have a bell jet ranger <laughs> helicopter problem solved done if you've got a helicopter and, and money to burn i think it's about one hour of maintenance for every four hours of flight time <laughs> isn't that right so you're throwing down already which means you could afford a bell and ross br01 concept flight instruments this is a 46 millimeter watch but one of the classic unbelievable flight instrument look to it or, of course, the IWC Big Pilot Chronograph, which is one of my favorites. The crown on this watch is enormous. It's a $12,000 watch. Mm. In the world of watches, that's sort of like beginning to get to the middle of the range of the world of watches. But still, $12,000, that's like a couple of Miatas. It's, it's three Mini Coopers the way I <laughs> shop. But anyway, yeah. Exactly. So just saying, but if you're throwing down in your chopper already, you're rocking the Big Pilot from IWC. You have to. <laughs> Gary, the cycling nerd, asked me, if money were no object, I like that question, if money were no object, would I rather have an Evora 400 or an Exige and why? Oh. And like Gary, the question without fail is the Evora 400. I really, really like that car. I like the Evora period. The 400 improved all the things that needed improving. The 400 is, is, a, is a real, honestly, it's a triumph. Forget that I like Lotus for a second. It's a real success as a car. And it, for me, is a absolutely pound-for-pound pound alternative to the Cayman. Mm. And that's mm. big praise. The Evora is – I'll be honest. Look, it's up there, yeah. The original Evora, not the 400. The original Evora is the Cayman alternative for guys like me who really like Lotus and don't want a Cayman. Even though the Cayman's brilliant because we want to be the oddball. That's why you get sure. the other Evora. I'm a huge fan of the Evora, especially the new 400 or The 400 is a literally – brilliant. Pick your poison. They're both excellent. Yeah. Yeah. The Exige is only good as a track car. And I, I love my, my my Elise. The Exige gets you more power and less visibility and more aero. All good things for track. You can see the guy coming up behind you in your side mirrors. You don't need to look at the truck in your rearview mirror because there's no rearview mirror. So um, a really nice sorted Exige if I was going to track it all the time. But I, I'll put this out there. If I had a Navora 400, I think I'd drive it year-round. I think I'd get it paint protection filmed. From license plate to license plate. Do the whole car. And drive it yeah. year-round. And the Exige, I would not. And plow your neighbor's driveway with your car. Done. Done. I'd be Easy. very, very happy about it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay, so Kelly Kenworthy asks, what is the fastest you've taken your favorite on-ramp, and what car <laughs> were you driving? Okay. I was driving. This is when I lived in L.A. You had a favorite on-ramp that you could terrify everyone. Yeah. Actually, that's one of the very few places in life where I was always like, we are going to die. And I, <laughs> I never feel that way with you driving. But you knew that on-ramp so well. Yeah. I'll tell you the on-ramp, actually. It's in Pasadena when I lived there. And it's right at Orange Grove Boulevard. And it's the one going westbound on the 134 over the top of the freeway. It's the bridge there. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of suspended in midair. And it's... It's just 
glorious. Sweeps over all the lanes of traffic going both directions to come down on the far right side of the freeway. Starts on the far left side. Sweeps over all the lanes of traffic with this arc. A little bit of a camber to yeah. it. Winds up on the right side of the freeway. There is speed there, and Paul found all of it. I think, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not really looking down at my speed when you're navigating the corner. It was a pay-attention on-ramp, for sure. You know, there's marbles and trash and dirt and dust on the side, so you got to pick your line and all that stuff. <laughs> but I was in the first Cayman. It was the 987 Cayman S, and I think it was between 65, 68 miles an hour coming around the corner. I'm surprised it was all – it was – almost double that because it just seemed like you were always on I mean, a level it, that nobody it, it else it sounds was. I mean 65 yeah. in a straight line is kind of whatever but going hot through a corner it's like okay I'm, I'm feeling the steering get real light yeah you were but then it's 90 95 on the exit your, yeah your exit speed yeah you were carrying so much to just yeah. rock it out of there so fun sure. good memories uh, Mark <sighs> on Facebook asked if he shows up at the Utah uh, meetup which we're going to do in October information details are forthcoming I just ha- it's not on the website yet but it will be there soon uh, when he comes to the Utah meetup, we'd love to have you, Mark. If he wears an everyday driver shirt, is that the equivalent of going to a concert wearing a shirt of the band you're about to see? Isn't that when you wear those shirts, though, to well, go to the band? Yeah. I mean, I mean you, granted, then you buy you know shirts that are four times more expensive than they should be. So right, right. What, the problem I have with band shirts – sorry, I'm off on a tangent. The problem I have with band shirts is you wake up 10 years later and go, oh, that's got a date on it. Oh, that shirt's 10 years old. And it's not it's not old enough to be it's not old enough to have come back in. It's not like a twenty five year old right, Rolling right. Stones T shirt. It's just now a ten year old shirt from a band that used to be cool. Just Milwaukee, That's Philadelphia, the problem, you know, Denver. Anyway. Listing the cities. It's our it's our Volkswagen apology tour shirt. We still need to make that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do. Mark, look, uh, if you want to wear an everyday driver shirt to come hang out with us, here's the thing: we're going to be wearing shirts. Well, yeah, we're going to be wearing the everyday driver shirts. We have to do branding, so uh, I suspect mine will probably be red. Actually, I might branch out. <laughs> I'm known to do that on actual meetups and wear other colors. It's crazy. Uh, Mark, you're welcome, and you can wear whatever shirt you'd like. Kevin R. has got a question over here on Facebook asking, would we recommend a young enthusiast with a good-paying job to jump right into something hot like oh, a yeah, Porsche, or should you go through the car levels based on price? Well, that's just it. My first Porsche was a 928 that I bought for 195. My first Porsche. And yeah. It was an $80,000 in 1988. An $80,000 yeah, sure, car sure. in 1988. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it still looked like it. Mm-hmm. And people would be like, wow. And you're like, no, I, you don't understand. I got this totally. for 19000 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was well bought. And so that's just it. You can get in a lower price range. You can find the Boxers and Caymans and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And people think, oh, well, you know, starting salary or whatever. We're paying you way too much or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... It's uh, your willingness to tell the story, your willingness to take that and and have that attention. But then there's other cars that are such sleepers, and you know, new Camrys, new Accords, yeah. thirty grand, your, thirty-two, thirty-five. Your brand 35. new give me everything pickup is a better part of a hundred grand. Oh my gosh! You yeah, know, my little Lotus costs thirty. Yeah, exactly. Nobody will pay attention to your giant truck. You know, whatever. but the the other question he's asking, I think, is can I handle something big? Should I jump into something big? And I'm going to say this to you: go take a driving course. Mm. Whatever you're going to, if you have yeah. enough money to have, for lack of a better way to put it, disposable income to spend on a fast car. I'm a, I've mentioned on a couple other podcasts. Go to an actual driving school, take a full day driving school, learning how to drive quickly. Then I still wouldn't buy the biggest thing you can get. I would hang out in the world of the Boxers and the Caymans in Porsche land. I wouldn't get the heavy duty stuff. But at the same time, you still want to come in with more knowledge than you probably have right now. And you have the money to take a course, take a one day course. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so last question here is sound from Fuse Photography. We've we've discussed sound for various brands. You know, they're trying to find the sound for the upcoming electric yes, car. Yes, yes, As a matter of fact, today, Alex B. also wrote to us with sounds for, you know, part of the luxury. And he's equating it to just the insulation and the lack of sound coming out sure. of the car. But I that's, think that luxury, yeah. the discussion is really more around, you know, being aware of the car and what kind of sounds will be accepted and permitted and... You know, just they're going to proliferate. But Fuse Photography is saying, what about, you know, the new electric Porsche driving down the street sounding like a chicken or a train or a plane or something that. Could you hack it? Yeah. You hacked and changed, which you could. Yeah. You, I, I guess you could, but then are you just always the prankster kind the of? Tycon rolls down the street doing a Joker laugh. Just, ah. <laughs> and then every other car, like, you know, there's going to be apps. Yeah. And he, you know, of course, of course. Download the new sound. Record your baby crying. Record oh, your. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So 
the thought process there is horrifying to me. It's it's the ringtone problem. Oh, when yeah. When you first had the ability to get custom ringtones, everybody went nuts. And everybody had something they thought was hysterical at like midnight. And then they're sitting at a business meeting the next day and went, wow, I'm embarrassed. And so as a result, <laughs> over the next 10 years, people have kind of pulled it back. Who's playing Def Leppard? Oh, it's the new Tycon and somebody hacked it. Ugh. So, yeah, probably it, the minute that gets discovered, it will go way too far and have to be ratcheted back. I, I hope that it's it's conservative and pulled way back. It and be. Yeah, but it probably won't. So <laughs> We have a bright future, bright and glorious future <laughs> to look forward to, everyone. HackedElectricCars.com. What's that URL? Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you a million for listening and for watching. Guys, this is it. Season three starting tomorrow. Tune yeah, in amazing. on Velocity if you've got it. And it will make its way to Amazon Prime a little bit later. So we'll let you know when that happens. But for now, Velocity, and again, thanks to Covercraft as our presenting sponsor. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? <laughs> I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. So you're in Miami. Why would you need a Caribbean vacation? Well, maybe you shouldn't have to go all winter without a dip in the ocean. Or maybe you're just that sick of the traffic. Look, there are plenty of reasons to get out of Miami. So if it's time to get away, get down to Curacao. Curacao is a different kind of island paradise. Most places don't want you to leave the resort, but every inch of Curacao is meant to be explored. With outdoor adventures by land and sea, and art, architecture and music taking inspiration from around the world, there's a surprise around every corner. Best of all, getting there is easier than ever. America American Airlines just added a third daily flight to Curacao, just two and a half hours nonstop for Miami International. So don't stay in Miami all year long, and don't hole up by the same resort pool for an entire week. There are a million ways to experience Curacao, so feel it for yourself. Visit Curacao.com, C-U-R-A-C-A-O.com to learn more. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing. Um... You know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.